Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan talk about the Twins' postseason 2020 roster, as well as the two-game series against the Detroit Tigers. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kufis. With me, as always, is Dan Thompson. The Twins finished a two-game series against the Detroit Tigers, taking both games. Folks, I don't know what to tell you. It's been crazy. Cleveland is beating up on the White Sox. The Yankees are losing to the Blue Jays. And all of a sudden, your Minnesota Twins are atop the Central Division. Dan Thompson, how you feeling? Well, you know, everything went right, which is a weird feeling. Everything went right there. Uh, maybe except for Homer Bailey's start. But um, no, I mean, it, it was good to get some help from the other teams. There's still a lot of baseball to be played. But gosh, I've never been a bigger Indians and Blue Jays fan. Feels it, pretty good. I Yeah, it's so crazy. I've honestly trying to rewire my brain to cheer for the Indians. And it's not even like I've never like hated the Indians, right? Like, no, like, of course not. Yeah, I, I hate the Yankees, of course, certainly. But I've never like had hate hatred really for the Indians the White Sox maybe half hatred of like the Yankees to cheer for the Indians it's just so weird because they've been our rival for so long atop the division these last couple of seasons they got a hit and at one point I'm like ooh and I'm like oh wait no 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 that's a good thing that's a good thing here well and what I thought was interesting too is you know playing it out in my head like even if the Indians were winning and the Twins were losing it almost wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to drop to the third <laughs> spot in the division you know yes. I mean like if we're if we're worried about the Twins having to play the Yankees right away well yeah yeah i mean it's it's just it's it's this different dynamic we've got with these eight playoff seeds and a shortened season where the the standings are just so congested yeah it's absolutely insane so just so folks understand what's happening so the twins currently have three games left against the reds and in that time it's going to be interesting because the white Sox will be playing the cubs at the same time now right now the white Sox are still in control of their own destiny if they win out there's nothing the twins can do to take the division however if they lose one more game, the window is then open for the Twins to take the division lead. A quick note, if some crazy things happen, there ends up being a three-way tie for the division. The Twins actually win the division. It's a it's a crazy thing. You can work out the math, but it does work out that way. If the Twins and the White Sox tie, the White Sox take the division. But if it's a three-way tie, the way that things would fall, the Twins actually would win the division. I mean, all of this is kind of, you're, you're trying to keep track of that and realize that the Twins need to stay ahead of the Yankees just to make sure if they end up with the four seed or the five seed you want to be that four seed so that we don't have to go to new york new york has to come to us yeah and and i think almost less than even having to play the yankees is to me being able to play at target field get that last at bat play in your own stadium i I think i sure hope they're able to hang on to at least that and that's why obviously the yankees at least losing has been encouraging because now the twins have a two and a half game lead on the on the yankees and i feel pretty good about them at least staying if they do fall back staying in that four spot yeah you would hope so i mean so folks we are gonna before we dive into the games we're gonna talk a little bit about the roster construction for the postseason. So the Twins did release their postseason roster. Basically, the way it's going to work this season, there's going to be 28 spots. There's no limit on pitchers, so you can do the mix however you want between position players and pitchers. And then you're going to have a re- 
reserve squad of 10 players. So the, t- the Twins have released that, and it's interesting. I don't really know what to think or what the what, what it's going to look like. Specifically, there's only a few questions, really, and it's how many pitchers do you take versus how many position players you take. I don't know what you're thinking, Dan, as far as what that split should look like. Well, it's a they only have to make the choice for that first playoff round, correct? And then they can switch it up if yep, they have you to? you can switch it up between your postseason reserve players and the players that are on your active roster. And it's because it's three consecutive days, I would say they're probably going to go with 14 pitchers for that opening series, don't you think? Yeah, I would be shocked if they didn't. There's a couple of articles out there kind of projecting what, what the roster would look like. I was surprised that folks had them at 13 pitchers. I thought for sure there'd be 14. Yeah, sorry, I just keep, I'm counting them because there's so many bodies. That I'm, so, I'm not used to having to do this kind of math around the postseason. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's nice to have those extra spots. I mean, I would prefer to have those spots be hitters, right? Because then you can you have that flexibility late in innings to be able to make those switches, to, to be able to pinch hit the guy you want to pinch hit and, and worry about the fielding alignment later. So I hope that they would, but I, I, I got to think they're going to keep probably 14 pitchers just to be on the safe side. And But then my question is, do they keep, are they going to keep Homer Bailey on the roster or are they going to go with Odorizzi if he's, if he's ready? I just, I don't know what they do with that spot. Yeah, it's a very confusing question that I don't know the answer to. So real quick, let's just go through the locks as far as the pitchers and relievers are concerned and then talk about our question mark. So 100% on the roster, there's really no question. Maeda, Barrios, Pineda, Hill. And then for relievers, Rogers, May, Duffy, Romo, Clippard, Alcala, Stashek, Whistler. Some people question it. I think Thielbar is a lock also. So really the people who you're questioning, Odorizzi, Bailey, and then Dobnik, I don't know how he doesn't end up on this roster, Dan, but it seems like he's he hasn't been called back yet, so it's a little confusing. I don't really know what to think. Are they really going to not have him on the roster for that first series? I would think no Homer Bailey and yes, Randy Dobnak, because I think if things really go bad in the first game, for example, maybe you bring Dobnak in and you let him just eat up innings for you and, and hopefully keep you close. It's just, but how many times have the Twins really been in that spot this year? I mean, they haven't been behind by large numbers of runs, so I hope they only keep 30 13 because I, I want the flexibility on the other side uh, with the bats personally but I could see but I think if they're going to keep a 14th pitcher I, I think it's got to be Dobnak yeah I, I, I'm in 100% agreement with you on that I just don't see it's so hard because a guy like Bailey it's just it's 100% unknown you have no idea what you're getting and looking at the way that they're setting up the rotation so Maeda will certainly get the, the game on Tuesday and that will be on a full five days rest and then Barrios will get the next game game two and that will be on four days rest so so I assume that's probably how things are going to shake out rotation-wise. Whoever pitches Sunday, it seems likely whoever gets the start on Sunday will not make the postseason roster. So whether that's Odorizzi or Bailey, I mean, I guess it's possible that they take them both or take one or the other, but it seems like whoever makes that start is not going to be on the postseason roster for at least that first series. And that's weird because that game could be so important still. <laughs> Here's, I was also thinking on a, on a thought because you know how I love Miracle. And I was thinking, you know, I feel like Randy Dobnak is kind of like Ralph Cox, right? The, the last guy cut, right? He's the one that then he, and Herb calls him in the meetings and says, I wish I could keep you. Kind of, they kind of look alike too. Like the actor who played Ralph Cox and Dobnak, they both kind of have that beard. They have that like overachieving sense. Uh, maybe I'll start calling Dobnak Ralph Cox. <laughs> See how many people recognize what I'm talking about. Wonderful. I'm 
sure there are those out there who have seen Miracle maybe half as many times as you have. Come on. There are still a couple of outstanding questions as far as the rotation and the relievers are concerned. I don't know that we'll get an answer until Sunday, really when we'll know. And to your point, as you said, Sunday's game probably still matters. And granted, Odorizzi or Bailey could make a quality start on Sunday, and that would be great for the team, and then still be left off the roster for the first series of the postseason. And then they might need them again down the road, right? So I get there's some merit in that too. But the other thing, and I think we'll get to this, but the Red, this is an important series for the Reds too, not just for seeding, but just to make the playoffs. Correct. So, so part of me is, I mean, I get that they're setting the rotation for that series, and Rocco has always taken, I think this season, it's clear through his moves, the view that they just need to get to the postseason in the best possible position, and it doesn't matter who they play. But I but I do wonder, yeah, what, what's that start going to look like, and, and how quick will the hook be? I guess we'll see what the situation is. At least we'll know by then pretty clearly what the Twins need. Do they need to win that game? Do the Reds need to win that game? We'll know more, I guess, by Sunday. Absolutely. So let's move forward then to the, to the actual position players. Again, we'll do the locks first, and then we'll kind of talk through the question marks. So locks, obviously, Kepler, Donaldson, Cruz, Sano, Rosario, Polanco, Gonzalez, Buxton. And then we're going to hold off as far as the catcher position is concerned. And then also a lock, I would consider Adrianza a lock. And then Cave, certainly, I think is my other lock. And then Oh, Dan, Cave's a lock. There's no way Cave's not making this roster. Yeah, he has to at this point. And I think that I think that, that will come at the cost of Wade Jr. not being on the roster. So he'll still be in the taxi squad. He will not make an appearance, I wouldn't imagine, in the postseason. Well, let's see. Okay, so if we had... So that you named eight starters plus the catcher position, right? So that's eight plus Adrian's is nine, Cave is 10. And then we got to have at least two catchers on there. So that's 12 plus Arise is the 13th. See, that's the question. So, well, not really. So yes, Arise, Arise will be on there. Yeah, Arise will be on there for sure. It's just a question of whether he's on the active roster for that first series. Because I could foresee a situation where he's not on that active roster. That's the only reason I didn't list him as a lock. Here's here's what I think they'll do. I think they're going to keep three catchers. I think they're going to keep Garver, Jeffers, and Avila. And then you got to make a choice between Arise and Wade, right? Well, yeah, and I don't... I mean, I guess for the first series perhaps Wade over Arise, but I wouldn't... If Arise is even 80-90%, I say certainly Arise over Wade. I think Arise is on that roster. I think no matter what. From everything that we've heard, and we don't hear much you know, directly, obviously, but I, I think Arise is going to be on that roster. I think Wade's probably not, unless they only go with 13 pitchers and then you've got Wade as the yeah. other guy. So then as far as the catchers are concerned, what are you doing here, Dan? I mean, you have Avila, Jeffers, and Garver. You assume all three are making the roster? I do, because I think that we've seen enough situations here where you know even Jeffers had DH'd once, too. I think that they like his bat, uh, again, unless in some strange situation where they want to bring Williams Estudio in for him at the end of a key game. Nope, not going to um, happen. So, so I, I, I think, you know, you've made a good point about Avila and just being a steady veteran presence catching and calling games. And he's, and he's a lefty. But I, I, again, the flexibility, because then now, if you want to pinch hit for somebody, you got those extra catcher. Well, we've been over this, right? Yeah. But I, I think they keep three for the flexibility. I, I agree here. And I am coming around. I should say you have convinced me, I think, a little bit. Um, as well as a couple other buddies regarding Jeffers and maybe you know, maybe I'm coming around to the idea that he should be catcher 1A at this point and maybe Avila catcher 1B and then Garver straight 2. I don't know. It's hard for me to figure out what to do with Garver at this point because he's got a proven track record last year, obviously. But <laughs> there's an article over at uh, Twins Daily by Patrick Wozniak. And I just have to give a shout out because this line, I laughed out loud, Dan, where he was talking about Garver's stats last last season and how he's like Mike Piazza and how his stats this season would make Drew Butera blow. 
wash. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Which that's a, a Twins Daily. Wow. Oh, yeah, that's a pretty good line. I enjoyed that. So anyway, but between that article and the conversations that you and I have had, I do think that starting for the Twins this postseason, I think it's Jeffers behind the plate. Really? See, I, I'm, I'm still curious to see what they do in the Cincinnati series, because I think if, if Garver can get a few more hits, if he can make some good contact, not necessarily just hit a home run, but hit maybe something to opposite field, it looked like he's comfortable up there. He had such a good season last year that when the Twins are at their best, Garver is in the lineup hitting well. Um, and it's it's hard to replace that. But I, I just, I loved watching Jeffers behind the plate. And I think, you know, I've looked, you know, there's a lot of data to support the fact that he's a good catcher too at framing pitches and things like that. But at the same time, Garver is more of the veteran um, and he knows these pitching, he knows the pitching staff better. I think, I don't know, I don't know, I, I can talk myself in circles here. Yeah. Um, I, we just don't have enough data yet on on garver and we're going to want as much as we can before you and i tell rocco our suggestion (laughs) on who to start catcher at that at that first game next week i don't know i'm so pumped for the postseason now dan especially or a series like this where it just seems like the twins are starting to kind of piece it together not even necessarily runs wise and like home run wise and scoring wise because there was some defensive issues and whatnot but just that they seem like a team that is poised to win and i feel like they haven't really felt like that this season and it seems like man if they are gelling together at this time this is the right time dan for the twins to get hot i think it's the robes <laughs> yeah i think it's the robes which we got to talk about once we get into the games but that was pretty cool i'm i'm a big fan of the robes yeah. I'm, I'm ready to buy one um, <laughs> yeah. though i think they're probably a little out of my price range if i had to guess i don't know msrp on those are probably gonna be 250 i would guess oh, off, the, man. off the top well we'll see we'll see what about the playoffs in terms of who they might play because there's so much up in the air like is there a team you want them to face yeah i mean at this point i think i'd definitely take toronto they put up 14 runs tonight against the Yankees. Well, yeah, sure. so it was interesting. There's an article on The Athletic by Jim Bowden, and he rates the Twins rotation at 7th out of 8 of the teams making the postseason in the American League. And the only team that has a worse starting rotation is the Toronto Blue Jays. And that's the team I want to face, Dan. I want to face the team that has the weakest rotation possible. What about you? What well, do you think? Well, okay, so I I take a little bit of umbrage, um, perhaps, with Mr. <laughs> Bowden there. But the Twins, yeah, the Twins have the third best ERA in the, in baseball behind the Dodgers and Indians how can you possibly have the seventh best pitching staff starting staff in the play I don't get that well, well hang, hang on what? so let's back up here and then you can come back on that comment if necessary after I clarify his article is rating the top three pitchers in each rotation because those are the ones that are going to matter for the wild card series I don't know if well, that changes no, your I, rage I, it, well this isn't a rage this is an argument this is a, a, a measured argument all right so I'm sorry here's the deal I mean Maeda is potentially a Cy Young candidate he didn't look he, you know he probably lost a little bit of that edge tonight giving up that home run I mean he's he's six and one he's got a sub three ERA Barrios has looked quite good lately and then you've got Michael Pineda who's got an ERA just over three like I don't how is it are the pitchers just that good in the rest of the league right now i mean right now it's pretty clear that tampa bay new york oakland and even dan the white Sox and cleveland it's not like they're bad pitching that's going to make the postseason this year even with eight teams making it there's only one staff on here that i would look forward to facing and that would be the toronto blue jays well let's hope i guess as much as i want the twins to just win a darn playoff series you're gonna have to win multiple series and you're gonna have to face these teams and we truly don't know who are the best teams entirely we 
we have a we have a suspicion, but because of of the way that the schedule was constructed this year, we're just not really going to have a great picture. That's one thing I'm really excited about with these playoffs because I think in some sense the seeds don't matter at all except for the home field in that first round. I agree, and yeah, after that first round, it is going to be interesting to see how things shake out, and if there are some upsets, that bracket looks so different, Dan, and because there's no reseeding that's going to happen when you have teams facing weird structured tournament styles, you never know what's going to happen. It's a much more there's just much more of a chance of like where there's some big upsets, the eight upsets, the one seed than has ever been in baseball before. I don't know. Anyway, as far as the postseason is concerned, Dan, I don't know how much more we can say until we get more information. You got any other thoughts? No, I actually don't. Yeah, so the Twins are slated to start on Tuesday evening. Now, there is a chance because of the presidential debate that's scheduled for that same time that the game could get pushed. Um, It's a little bit unclear. There hasn't been anything solid from MLB yet whether that could happen or not. So obviously, circle your uh, calendar there for that, the Tuesday the 29th, but just know that it might get pushed. We're not really sure yet. Uh, With that in mind here, let's go ahead and dive into this Tiger series, Dan. I don't know what to tell you. My heart hurts a little bit because... Eddie Rosario and Jake Cave, both huge in this series, Dan. And on both sides of the ball, I don't know what I'm... It's crazy town. Well, Eddie Rosario sure did look good. Did he have any plays you took umbrage with? No, it's really frustrating almost. I mean, it's hard. When they win both games, it's like, it's hard for me to admit how well Eddie played in this series. And I mean, I yeah, he just made a lot of good plays and he made a lot of smart plays and he didn't do anything that most people would, would label as Eddie-esque in this series. He didn't. And it was nice to see Buxton, again, in this starting spot. I think he might be in the starting spot to stay. I know he wasn't as great in the second game, but in the first game, he was good. I mean, he had that leadoff home run anytime you do that. Can you believe he's got 13 home runs already? No, I was, when they, when that graphic came up on the screen, I was surprised. I'm like, really? He has that many? I, I wasn't aware that he was he was already up there that far into the double digits. And it was also nice to see them win this game without Nelson Cruz in the lineup because it's, it's good that they can give him some rest. It seems like he's been a little bit sore. Yeah, I mean, I do wonder a little bit. I think some people were getting concerned that the injury was a little bit more more of an issue than what the Twins were leading on, simply because it has been significant time since we've seen Nelson Cruz. But the way that he was so jovial in the dugout, that doesn't look like a guy who's who's not going to get to play in the postseason, Dan. No, and and to this game, it, it was a fun game to watch, right? I mean, they felt the Twins, you know, they had the one nothing lead, then the Tigers tied, the Twins tie, take the lead, the Tigers take the lead from them, the Twins tied up. I mean, it was very dramatic with the home runs. Kepler's home run to tied in the bottom of the eighth. It didn't, when I watched that, I don't know about you, but when I watched that, I didn't think that was going anywhere near a home run. I mean, he just eked it right over the wall. It was interesting because you could see it and the pitcher, Farmer, he wasn't even sure if it was out and he he kind of seemed to think that it was going to stay in the park. And so when it just made it into those flower beds, you could see his disappointment on his face to be like, oh, come on. Well, and how big, I mean, and obviously then in the, in the 10th, you know, Kepler getting the game winning hit too. This felt like the Max Kepler we got used to last year. And, and Agreed. gosh, if he's hitting this well, I don't care where you put him in the lineup. I mean, this is a very powerful lineup lineup when Max Kepler is hitting home runs and when he's just getting those clutch hits. There was a stat, I mean, his, and I forget, I think I saw it on Twitter. I think it was maybe Gleeman or one of the other athletic guys, but um, he, his clutch hitting this year, even though he hasn't been great, has been spot on for the Twins. He's been their most clutch hitter all season. It's one of those things where, like I like I was speaking to earlier, it just seems to me that this team has a different sort of attitude and just sort of an energy about them that they seem like, hey, we're the team that's going to win these games. And I tell you the robes, David, so we texted about this too, and I think 
think you were spot on. I, I think you should share. I mean, your thought on what the robes are and why Donaldson bought them. Yeah. So this is interesting. So if you didn't see it, uh, Fox Sports North did a segment on it. But Josh Donaldson bought robes for all of the players on the team as well as the, the support staff. And he bought it for a couple of reasons. So one, he wanted guys to be relaxed for the postseason. And two, the Twins have now entered the postseason bubble. So they're all staying in a hotel together downtown. And so he wanted them to be able to relax and have something comfy to wear. Now, here's my thinking. I think it was an apology for getting tossed in that White Sox game. That's what I truly think it was. I think he knows he's in the wrong, but he didn't want to say it to the media. But behind closed doors, this was sort of an apology to the rest of the team knowing that he messed up. I love that theory, David. I had, I, I'm had. i a little... I wish I would have come up with that idea, <laughs> David. But I, no, that makes a ton of sense because what I love about it is that it is, it's just the kind of thing that a team with playoff aspirations and championship aspirations, that's what they're going to be known for, right? Like the guys with the robes. Like, yes. won't that be yes. fun through the playoffs? And, and I, I don't know. I mean, like, it's hard because we're watching the games on TV and so much of that is artificial in some ways how it's produced. But it just seemed like the vibe of the team was so energetic and so like playoff ish during. That during that game against the Tigers, right? I mean, like, it just seemed like they were having more fun all of a sudden, like that with the robes. Yeah, I, it just really seemed like something got switched on. Yeah, I do hope the robe thing continues. It continued tonight. Super fun to see. But let's let's go into the details a little bit here in game one. The Twins win 5-4 in extras. So we got to see my favorite new aspect of baseball, Dan. The runners on second base. Absolutely. Oh, I know. I think of you every time, David. It just drives me nuts. But anyway, so the Twins, Bailey started his first start in, I don't know, three or four years. I forget now. It was a long time ago that we saw Bailey pitch for the Minnesota Twins. But so he pitches three innings, then he gets into trouble, gives up two hits, one earned run, one walk, struck out three. He didn't look bad for a guy who hadn't been in the mound in a couple of months, but then he uh, he comes out of the game. Stasek comes in, uh, pitches well. Then you got May, Duffy, Clippard, Romo. I mean, the, the whole team pitched basically in this game, Dan. But what's happening I think here, I saw Miguel Sano warming up at one point too, just to make sure, <laughs> just, you know, just to be Stretching careful. that arm out Yeah, here. you never know. But so when the game gets interesting, like you were saying, I mean, it kind of goes back and forth the whole time. And so Romo gets the ninth and the ninth is the time when you're thinking, okay, at this point, the Twins think that they can win this game in the bottom of the ninth. So who do they give the ball to? They give it to Romo, not to Rodgers. And then it goes into extra innings, Dan. And who do they bring in? Taylor Rodgers. I was I was not impressed with this move, Dan. And again, it's rough because the rest of the team had almost pitched at that point. So who else are you going to turn to? But Taylor Rodgers did what Taylor Rodgers does, Dan, which is give up hits and give up runs. And okay, to be fair, this is frustrating because he doesn't get an earned run because the way that the MLB is keeping those stats this year basically the runner reaches second base to start the inning on like an error right so it doesn't really matter for pitching stats i think but, you'd agree that it's an error right i mean yeah. to have the runner on second yes, base 100 you think that's an apt yes that's characterization an, that's an error on major league baseball <laughs> and in general but so what happens there so rogers gives up the run and you know, on Twitter, some people were saying, well, you know, it doesn't really count against him because there was a runner on second. No, if you're the closer, there's going to be times where you're coming in where there's runners on second. You still need to get the job done. And again, it's one of those things, Dan, where right now I would rather take my chances on Alcala coming in to pitch the 10th inning as opposed to having Taylor Rogers come in knowing what he's going to do. Yeah. I mean, I'm even looking at the stats too. He's got the most losses on this team aside from Dobnak. He's got four. And, it, and, and the highest only... the highest ERA on the team out of the bullpen. And he's only 
pitched 18 point 18 and two thirds innings. It feels feels like he's pitched a lot more than that, or at least every time he's out there, we notice it. Um, he doesn't look as sharp, you know. But again, I mean, who else are going to try it out there? I think if they had brought Alcala out, that would be a big sign that they don't have faith in Taylor Rogers. But in the playoffs, would you put him out there in this situation? Let's say it's tied at four. It's game one. Are you putting? I mean, I, I think you put Alcala out there in that spot if you have to. I think you do, and you just hope for the best. And at that point, again, because you don't know what you're going to get with him, and with Rodgers, he's become far too consistent at giving up hits and runs, Dan. I don't want him in those situations. Yeah, and I think, and I, I forget, did he face righties mostly when he came in? I don't know where they were in the lineup. All I know is I was so upset. I was It was blinding rage, Dan. I couldn't even focus. And then when he gave up the run, I'm like, well, what did you expect to happen? It feels like he's just not going to get right before the playoffs. It feels like if we had another month or two of baseball to watch that maybe you could see him turning it around maybe he makes a mechanical change but something's not right with him and I, and I just don't see him right now practically in a playoff series I don't see him better than your maybe your seventh inning guy with a lead I don't I don't know that I want him in there in, in a higher leverage situation than that yeah I would agree with that so there were a couple of interesting plays in this game Dan so there's a weird double play turned with the bases loaded infield in a 6-2-5 double play Dan which you don't see often uh, for folks who, who are kind of new to baseball or whatnot, 6-2-5 would be shortstop, fielding the ball, throwing to the catcher for a force play, and then the catcher to third base for the force play, which is just, it's a weird double play. You're not going to see that scored very often on scorecards. That was, I mean, credit to Donaldson for being ready, for knowing yes. that. Because I think it was Cabrera who was running, right? So yes. he had some extra time. It was another testament to, um, and we'll talk about infield in later and how I feel about that, but, but I think Donaldson's defense was noticeable in this game and it was the simple plays like that but man that other play where he where he got the ball off bare the corner handed, of the ba- bare that handed. was amazing um so another play so i mean it was a uh, and i forget which it was late in the game i forget exactly which inning it was in but you know a ball is going towards third and it bounces off i think it was like the near left corner of the base and ricochets you know towards the stands almost at like a 45 degree angle and donaldson keeps running and he grab he bare hands it with his right hand and he makes a throw and it wasn't i mean it wasn't in time but saving a double there potentially maybe or I mean that was a huge play in that game but that was fun to see I, I can't see Miguel Sano making that play last year <laughs> no base. Miguel Sano no, I mean, that's be... nothing against Miguel Sano necessarily but well but it is kind of well it's mean, by comparison right yeah like, yeah well yeah. Sano wouldn't have even moved right like he wouldn't have even he would have been like yeah it's probably a double that's okay uh, guys I'm on third in case he tries to push it to a triple I'm here I'm ready I'm ready but no uh Justin Morneau noted on the on the telecast it was interesting he said that had Donaldson made that throw in time that may have have been the best baseball play in the field that he'd ever seen which is kind of a i mean that's high praise wow, from a guy who that is played a lot of baseball in his life yeah i mean it was a, it was a fun game because again and we saw this in the last series too where i feel like the twins are just playing better um and it's these little things that they're doing better it's i guess another way to look at it is when eddie rosario doesn't make a mental mistake you know that the twins are just in a much better place <laughs> as an entire squad i mean nobody seemed to make a big mental mistake in this series and that was really really fun to see I, unless i'm putting my foot in my mouth and i'm forgetting something but no, I think it was overall it was it was good. There was the one play that Sano dropped the ball, the throw from Duffy. So that was the only play that was a little bit like, ugh. And the thing is, is I I don't know. They, they gave the air to Sano, and he probably should have caught the ball. I, it wasn't a super 
easy play, but he probably should have been able to recover the ball in time. I think that was my issue with it is that it wasn't necessarily that he didn't catch it, but just that he couldn't recover quick enough to get the out at first before the the runner reached. Yeah, and that kind of play doesn't bug me in the same way as a shortstop charging in and then bobbling the ball when he's trying to get in or or even guys getting cute or lazy as we have so often seen with your favorite left fielder, right? Like, you know, there are, it's just there was none of that. And uh, and that was great because it, it tells me that there's, well, a couple things I think that I'm pointing to and maybe I'm over reading it, but I feel like there's a veteran presence on this team right now with Cruz and with Donaldson. And and you almost, I feel like a guy like Sano and even Buxton to, to an extent are just in a better spot on this team right now as far as what's expected of them, as far as leadership and tone setting, right? Yeah, no, I, I think that's an, that's... That's a valid observation, I guess, is what I'd say. And in the, in the sense that in the past, I feel like Eddie Rosario has been more of that tone setter guy, you know, emotionally in some sense, right? And I like Eddie Rosario and I like Donaldson too, but I, there's something about having a couple veteran guys um, like Donaldson and Cruz who've been in playoff games, who've, who've been in these spots to be able to kind of take the pressure off to do that, to, to lead. And it's the little stuff, right? It's it's buying robes for guys or it's, it's Cruz's presence in that dugout cheering guys on and being just such... Uh, such an alpha. Anyway, I, I just I'm, I'm really impressed with the chemistry that seems apparent to me, at least when I'm watching down TV. Yeah, I, I agree. I think one thing too, I'm gonna I'm gonna go off on a little tangent here on Eddie Rosario, and I just hate to do this, but I feel as though as a man of integrity, I need to give credit where credit is due. Okay, Eddie had a great throw to get the outfield assist with the put out here at home plate. Fantastic. He had a huge hit in the top of the tenth that allowed the tying run to score. Jake Cave came around. He pinched Ranford down. Donaldson and he scored the run and then he stole second base and granted it was a very easy steal because the catcher dropped the ball Garver had struck out Rosario advanced to second base but that steal I mean there's no way that he scores from first on Kepler's bloop single to left field but because he was on second base he scored the winning run and so I gotta give credit to Eddie Rosario in this game Dan that was a big big game for Eddie. Well, if Eddie plays like he plays in this series, this is what I love about Eddie, right? I mean, this is what he brings. This is, you cannot replace the energy that he gives this team. It's when he hits that single and he's pointing to the dugout and he's clapping all the way to first base. Like, I love that, that you need that energy. That's something that you're just not going to get always out of every guy on this team. Yeah, I would agree. And so I do just need to take a little bit of a side side note here. So one thing that's really nice right now, almost every baseball game is interesting to watch for one reason or another because teams are competing and jockeying for position. But so right now I have two screens. It's a luxury. It's my favorite thing to have two baseball games on, especially after you get past the sixth inning. Super exciting. But so something that I keep noticing, Dan, in almost every baseball game I watch is these batters, they hit the ball and then they run to first base. And if their helmet doesn't fall off before they get to first, it's definitely going to fall off at some point during the inning when they're on base. And it drives me absolutely insane. What is the point of these helmets? I understand they're most important when they're at bat, but they're also important because you have guys throwing a hard baseball in your direction direction when you're going from base to base. And there was one play in the White Sox Indians game that this is ridiculous, Dan. The runner is going home and he's going to have to do a head first slide. Okay. It's vital that he does a head first slide because it's the only way he has a chance. And he's, <laughs> Dan, the guy bobbles the helmet. He's trying to get his helmet on so he can make the slide and he bobbles it and then he loses the helmet anyway. What is the point of these helmets if you can't secure them on your head? Are you telling me that teams that have literal half billion dollar budgets can't afford chin straps for the guys who can't manage to keep their helmets on it drives me nuts in little league these kids can keep their helmet on you're telling me these pro athletes who their body is 100 where their income comes from they can't figure out how to keep a hard hat on their head i drives me 
absolutely not Stan Thompson. And that was our newest segment, Ronnie's Rages. David taking his turn, apparently, here. I, I Did you just make that, like, do you really care that deeply about helmets? That seemed almost fabricated in no, the excitement no, it, you had there. Honestly, it really bothers me when they fall but off. But Dio, that isn't that the turtle's big and appeal? And I hated it when he, well, that's about his only appeal at this point, Dan. You don't need to be, I mean, what else does the guy have right now, other than his weird batting stance and the way that he holds the bat over the plate? He gets his own little, like, logo in the roster, right? He just, Instead of of a, of a position he's just a turtle yeah at this point he's a marketing ploy just so they can do the tortoise in the hair thing with with, with bucks yeah that never really took off did it no. they needed a studio to hit better than 180 I think. oh my oh, goodness man. anyway right. moving on here we should move two. on to game two yes. here. game two this one got more dramatic than it really needed to be the twins really seemed in control until the ninth inning when things got interesting twins win this one seven six miguel cabrera dan he still has the twins number apparently does he have like seven thousand home runs now at target field like <laughs> i it, don't know Man, and I love watching that guy play because he, he's such a class act. And I think he, I mean, he's had a long career now. He started young and I wish all the best for him. It's really fun to see. It's kind of like when I watch Albert Pujols or I see highlights of him. Like, I love to see these guys still hitting, right? I think it's good for baseball. It's good for Detroit, certainly. 484 home runs, at least, if uh, if baseball reference got those two tonight. But, you know, so he'll be, he's the next guy to hit 500. And I love that. Yeah, I mean, it was nice that it didn't matter in this game that he hit him, just mostly in the timing that he hit him, right? Because of Jake Cave. Yeah. Two big home runs for Jake cave giving them leads when they needed them yeah it was interesting here so maeda started the game he got through six and then he got he got in a little bit of trouble here and he gave up the home run to cabrera i i was texting with a buddy at that point and i was saying that man i don't know i might have pulled maeda against cabrera because one out runners on first and second and then he shot back well weren't you just complaining that barrio should have gone out for the seventh and now you're not going to let maeda <laughs> pitch the six it's, that's going to be on your tombstone too like and they should have let david go out for the seventh <laughs> well and it, right like is that yeah, <laughs> that my would Tombstone is getting okay. I have two things about my tombstone here. One, I think you think I'm going to die relatively <laughs> soon, and secondly, that tombstone is going to have to be the largest tombstone at the cemetery by the time we're done with all of the different phrases you got to engrave there. We could get you like a mausoleum, Davis, yeah. right? <laughs> Wouldn't, couldn't we? Every, Wouldn't that be fun? Every week you have the Undertaker. Hey Dan, what you doing? What line you working on now? Dan's out there with a chisel putting in the putting in oh, the latest. Man. And we got to work on mine. I think I'm going to add one later. But yes, no, that's another I one. I would it will be a miracle David. quote. What else could it? Possibly be. <laughs> yes, if only he could have been Herb Brooks or something like that. Yes. This is your time. Yeah, we'll... Uh Great moments were born of great opportunity. That's what it'll be right there. Yes. Yeah. Maeda, he was fine outside of that home run that he gave up. Whistler came in and he struggled, Dan. He he only got one out and he gave up three hits. I hope it was just an off night because honestly, the way that the bullpen has looked, he's that guy who's kind of not the closer, not the setup man, but that 6-7 inning, he's the guy who I kind of wanted to turn to between him and Trevor May. Yeah. I think if he's going to have a bad outing, I mean, because he might pitch one more time this season, right? Let's get it out of the way. Um, but yes, um, it wasn't the most convincing out out i mean do you, do you think the bullpen guys approach it differently when they've been staked to such a lead yeah i think so they're probably not throwing their best stuff right i mean not not like intentionally like they're, oh they're just, they don't care but just that they're probably not reaching back any further than they feel they absolutely have to right i, I just think there's an element of that too in these games where when you're already up six nothing and i well I shouldn't say that because it was 6-3 by the time the bullpen entered the game. But yeah, I, I guess I'm less concerned about that just given the fact that they won. Yeah. Um, and it was only, it was 
few runners got on, but it was two big home runs by one of the greatest hitters of all time, who's always hit well in that stadium, who just was clearly on tonight. I'm not worried too much about how that happened. No, but I will say it's a little disappointing that they pulled Thielbar because I'm pretty sure he could have given up a home run just as good as Romo <laughs> did, Dan. Yes, he could have. That's true. I guess they're, well, at least Romo takes one of those runs away from Thielbar, right? Yeah, I suppose. But uh, anyway, yeah, I don't know. So power hitter Jake Cave, Dan, what's happening here? Jake well, Cave just like you said, I mean, when he, when just when it seems like Jake Cave is down and out, he comes back. He looked good and they, and it was nice because they've needed him to give some, some off days to a couple guys here. So I'm feeling pretty good about Jake Cave's performance here and, and feeling good about him being the fourth outfielder on this team. Yeah, well, it was interesting, too, that he hit those home runs to different places in the field. I mm-hmm. thought that was really good to see is that they weren't just they were both pull home runs. And so it was good to see. Again, I, it's so confusing to me, this series, Dan. And like Eddie Rosario, I mean, as much flack as I give Eddie Rosario, to your point, when he's on, he's on. And he is a solid baseball player and you want him on his team. It's just he's so infuriating when he makes those Eddie-esque type plays. But Jake Cave, I haven't had nearly the amount of like, oh yeah, I think this is a guy who could really do well. And so when he when he performs the way that he did in this series, I don't know, it's just hard for me to really, it's it's hard for me to compute what that looks like and what role he should play on this team. Yeah, I think he's a pinch runner on this team headed into the playoffs and an emergency outfielder if you need him. As we saw, it was it was important that he was the pinch runner, maybe not in necessarily in that spot in the extra innings, but um, the guy brings some energy and he's just the kind of guy that you hope is going to have a chance in the playoffs to have a big play, right? That we're going to remember Jake Cave because of something that he did in the playoffs as that key bench guy. I wouldn't underplay his value as that pinch runner in that game one because it was supposed to be Donaldson at second and Donaldson's not slow, but at the same time, I don't really want Donaldson sliding or doing anything that he absolutely, absolutely you think, doesn't You think to. Cave is more uh, is more expendable? Yeah, right 100%. <laughs> and he's faster. So, I mean, it's it's kind of a sure. no, two for two sense. in that regard, I guess would be what I'd yes. say. Yes, no, totally. Yeah. Well, it was a good series for the Twins, right? They take two yeah. or three, they get an exciting win. They get a little bit what felt like a more comfortable win, at least than it maybe looked on paper. And uh, now they're back on top of the division with a with a day off and then on to the Reds. Let's go ahead and cruise through our segments. Uh, thanks for sticking with us, folks. I know we went a little bit longer this episode, but it's all because the Twins are in a fun position heading into the postseason, and we wanted to give you a little bit of a preview of what that's going to look like. So we'll jump in here for this series. We'll go through our segments. Start with our Pockets Picks winners, Dan. What do you know? It doesn't matter. Dan has won the regular season. I had Kepler. Dan had Buxton. We, we picked anyway, and my goodness, Kepler, Dan. Kepler came through for me, scoring six points to Buxton's two points, Dan. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. I got to admit, you know, there was a moment after Kepler hit that game-tying home run, and I thought, ah, that's probably going to cost me Puckett's picks. <laughs> but that's okay. Um, no, it was fun to see, and uh, I just wish I would have picked Jake Cave like I dreamed about. <laughs> Yes, that would have been a, a pretty uh, astonishing pick, and then it would have been my goodness. Uh, you and my buddy Andy would have to go to Vegas together, I think, if you uh, if you would have picked Cave for the series. So uh, we can move on here. Beast versus Bench, Dan. Who you got as your beast? I'm going to pick Jake Cave because I think that those well, those two home runs obviously were so important in this game. Um, and he he scored the he scored the game tying run the night before as a pinch runner. Uh, I think Jake Cave is a pretty easy pick for me. Yeah, you know, I struggled with this one. I'm going to give it to Cave as well. I mean, I don't I don't know what to tell to you. To be like, fair, sorry. Do you ever not struggle with this one? I I feel like that's always the way that you talk about this. Oh, I always, I oftentimes struggle with the 
with the beast, not so much the bench. And I think partly because typically, especially in a series where the twins have played well with the beast option, you're going to have a couple of options, certainly. And so for me, in this instance, I'm giving it to Cave because Kepler obviously was really big in game one. Cave was big in game two, but Cave had a larger impact in game one than Kepler had in game two. So that's why I'm going to give it to Cave because of the pinch running performance. He scored that tying run. And then the two home runs in this game turned out to be so important. So we can push forward though, Dan, who do you got on your bench? I'm going to put Sano on my bench because again, he's he's been very streaky lately where he hits a lovely home run and then does nothing else to advance base runners. And I, I'm just not loving him as the four or five hitter right now. I'd, I'd really rather him be the six or seven right now. That's that's where I'd rather have a player like that. I don't know. I, I hope he can, he can get some opposite field hits, but I'm still waiting for that. I'm waiting for that double off the right field wall. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a good pick here. As far as I don't, here's the deal. I'm not going to pick Sano again. Like I keep, I keep bragging on that guy. So I'm going to go to the other guy who I normally pick for my bench. I'm going to pick Taylor <laughs> Rogers here. So here's the deal. I realize that he doesn't have an earned run on the stat sheet, but it doesn't matter to me. That's a run that he shouldn't have given up and he did. And I understand because of the stupid way 2020 extra innings work that it doesn't count against him. I think it should. Whatever. I don't care. I don't care that he started with the runner on second. I'm so over it. I'm so frustrated that they continue to put him in these situations where you almost you almost could predict what's going to happen. So Rodgers is on my bench. Have him pitch the fifth inning in a game where the Twins are getting blown out, but I do not want to see him in the tenth inning in a game where the Twins could pull within a half game of the division lead, and you're throwing Taylor Rodgers out there at a pivotal moment. I hated it, Dan. I absolutely Man, hated I'm- it. I'm so, that I'm kind of starting to feel bad for Taylor Rogers the way you're talking about you him. You know, like you this. can feel bad for him if he's pitching better and I still talk to him like this. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, next time I see Taylor Rogers, I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> you know, for Rocco's rewind here, if I may. Absolutely. Um, you know, we've we've texted about this. I think you know my feelings, but infield in, I just I've never quite liked it, and I think it's hard because the data I'm sure supports because if Rocco makes decisions about anything based on anything, it's data, right? Like I'm sure somebody's telling him like, "Hey, Rocco, like you should bring the infield in here because like four thousand and two hundred three times out of." 10,020, whatever, like he's got a number. But I, 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 I isolate, I focus on the times that it doesn't work. And it seems like it doesn't work every time, right? <laughs> except for, except for the time when it was the 625 double play that we talked about earlier that probably wasn't possible if the infield wasn't in. But, but there's so many other times when it's like, why are you bringing the infield in right now? I just let them play back. Even if you, even if you're maybe conceding a run, I just feel like there was times when surely if he's just back 10 feet farther, I, I don't you get this sense? Like there's times when they show the replay and it's like, oh, if Polanco and and the other thing about it if I may and it's kind of turning into a rage but I don't mean it to <laughs> is the reaction time that it would take to make a play on a baseball when you are 50 feet from the batter it's like making everybody a pitcher all of a sudden and then hoping that they can just get a glove on it if it happens to hit come on like let's just let's take 10 steps back let's stand in the dirt I don't know. I just don't like it. I, I because I so often see it fail, David. Well, that was our bonus Ronnie's rage. No, it was here. not a rage. That was a, that was merely a Rocco's rewind. I'm just doubting the data that I'm sure Rocco's relying on. But well, what's your question of of Rocco's decision making here? Do I have to? We have to have a conversation about Rocco here. <laughs> no, I. Well, here's my question. I guess as far as what happened here, did Rocco was he not aware that you could steal bases prior to this last series? Because it's it's very confusing to me. Dan, 
again, in this season thus far, they had 11 stolen bases for the entirety of the season. And granted, it's a shortened season. I get that. They stole three bases in this series, which is a pretty decent percentage, Dan, of the season total. So I don't know if somebody informed Rocco that, hey, do you know we have some fast guys on this team? And they're allowed. I don't know if you knew this, Rocco, but they are allowed to advance even if the ball isn't hit. Really? You can you can steal a base in baseball? <laughs> The fame, the famed Rocco impression by Dan Thompson. Oh, I didn't know. The oh. fans are clamoring for it. Isn't isn't Buxton fast? We should probably let him steal more. All right, go, go ahead, Byron. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering about as far as Rocco is concerned. Why why this? kind of change in approach and being a little bit more aggressive on the base pass. I'm a fan of it. Granted, if Eddie Rosario gets picked off at first base again, I'm going to be super upset. But in this series, it really seemed to work out for him here, and I hope that aggressiveness continues in the postseason. Let's keep uh, trucking along here. Minnesota moment, Dan, what do you got for me? It's got to be the Kepler moment at the end of the first game, right? It felt like, you remember the last season, the game against the Red Sox that went like 35 innings? Yeah. Right? And finally, Max Kepler gets that ball down the right field line. It felt like that kind of game, but, but you know, four hours shorter. And and it was a moment, honestly, where I was like, I'm kind of thankful that they have these runners in second base because at least these games are over faster. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love, a, I love a good extra inning game. But anyway, that was it for me because I think it was, it was Kepler arriving and he tied it and he won it. I mean, man, if that's the Max Kepler that we get to watch in the playoffs, I am on board. Yeah, I think I'll agree with that moment. I'm going to expand it a little bit uh, to include the combination of Rosario's hit and steal um, and then followed by by Kepler's walk-off hit there. Um, but yeah, I don't know what else you could choose. I mean, that was such a big moment and it just seemed to be, it seemed like the players are having fun, Dan. Yeah, I mean, and again, it comes back to the robes to me. You know, anytime that they're coming back, because it's something to focus on. It's something to like symbolize the rally to something to symbolize the synergy of the team. And I know that sounds kind of silly, but I think people are drawn to those symbols. And I think as human beings, I think we're just kind of like, I think they must get amped up when they, when it's something silly, but like, Hey, I got to go put the robe on. And then I do this interview after the game with this robe. Like it's silly. It's fun, but how good for morale is something like that. Yeah, and it should be noted here. I just love the Eddie Rosario quote, and this is classic Eddie. So after that game, the quote from Eddie is, it's a great moment, but you know what I miss? The fans in the moment. I miss the fans. I miss the Eddie, Eddie, Eddie in the moment. Wouldn't it be Kepler, Kepler, Kepler in that moment? Is that, <laughs> not wouldn't in, that be not, the thing that they'd be saying? Not in Eddie Rosario's <laughs> mind, Dan. In he's Ed, excited he's excited in eddie rosario's mind it is always eddie 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 oh man it's fun it's fun i'm gonna let you go first on Mauer's musings here yeah absolutely so i i guess my question is one that we kind of addressed at the beginning of the episode so we don't have to spend too much time on it because i don't know that we're going to be able to come up with a solution but what do the twins do with bailey odorizzi and dobnak what is that combination going to look like who's on the roster what's their usage look like i don't know dan i guess personally i want dobnak is a long relief guy out of the pen if something happens. I don't know that I trust Bailey because I just don't know. I haven't seen him enough. I got to be honest. I At this point, I would rather have Odorizzi start a game and Dobnik stay in that long relief role than give Dobnik the start. I don't know. You have the, so little faith in Ralph Cox. Um, <laughs> I would say that makes a lot of sense though, but poor Randy Dobnik. He started game two of the playoffs last year and now everybody's dogging on him and he's eating. Well, he, I guess he's in the hotel now with the team, but poor guy. I'm going to go on the other side of the roster and I'm going to say, you know, what, do we, what are we going to get from Luis Arise? Are we going to get a 
game here in the Cincinnati series? Is it going to be a mystery, kind of like it was at the end of last season when he just shows up in the playoffs? And Because I think, again, another wild card, he's he's really kind of the guy, uh, unless I'm missing somebody in my head, um, who's not back and who's not healthy. So is he going to be healthy for the playoffs, and is he a factor? Yeah, it's a really good question, and you hope it's not like last season where he was out on the field, but obviously, you know, hobbling around. Like, he definitely wasn't 100%, and probably shouldn't have even been on the field, unfortunately. But so this season, you hope that they don't have to lean on him as much, and you hope that he is healthy by the time that that game starts here on Tuesday, Dan. Yeah, absolutely. As far as grades go, David, dare we say, I think we're maybe in accord here. I'm going to go with an A-. Um, I think just because they, you know, they got the job done. I, and, and I think it was two different ways, right? The comeback win, but then also being able to just build a lead and have enough of it and, and not just sit on it. I'm really happy with the a, with an A- minus here for this for the series. Yeah, you know, after my uh, after my talk last episode, Dan, I have to give him an A minus. What else could I possibly give him here? Well, you could give him an A for winning two baseball games. Well, I can't though, um, because it's the Tigers, and both of these games are far too close. So game one specifically, they should have won that game. They should have scored more runs. They should have let the Tigers score less runs. Game two, again, I think it was kind of one of those things where yeah, there were a couple of bad pitches to Cabrera. Didn't really matter because the Twins won. Either way, this should be a series where you come in, you do your work and you go home winning two baseball games and neither of them should have ever been close but they were so i'm going to give them an a minus on on that point i just i'm just glad to hear us agreeing david i think it's it's healthy it's a weird thing actually i had a buddy texting me about the podcast and he was he was saying that you two you don't know he goes you two egg each other on in your grades like you guys are trying to be harmonious he goes no way you're both just you keep pushing each other further and further in either direction i just i couldn't i couldn't not give them an a for this series too they, they deserved it yeah absolutely so Puckett's picks for the Red Series, Dan, the last regular season series, and it doesn't it doesn't matter. You've won the regular season, but you did lose this last week, so you get the choice. Who are you taking? I know. It feels so weird to pick first. All right, I'm going to go with Jorge Polanco. I think it's oh, been long enough. Yeah. Um, and I think he's kind of the guy that I'm still waiting to see. Have a, a, I know he had a game where he was four for four, but that feels like a month ago, maybe because it practically was. Yeah. So I'm going to pick Jorge Polanco. Yeah, I think he's due. You hope that he's not dealing with injury or anything, but yeah, he certainly hasn't seemed like himself at the plate. Again, you have to commend him on the way that his, his fielding has improved this season, but it is one of those things where you'd hate to see his fielding increase and then his batting decrease. You don't want to see that. It could be a terrible pick, David, um, but I'm going to go with it anyway because i got nothing to lose. Here it is, Dan. You've already won the regular season. I can pick anybody I want. Anybody you want. And I'm going to go with Jake Cave. Dan Thompson, (laughs) it's happening. Jake Cave is my pick for Puckett's Picks. I am so excited. Jake Cave is going to rock the house, have a couple more home runs in this series against the Reds, Dan. I am so excited to watch my boy Jake Cave slashing homers over those fences. You know, I'm glad I set the bar low with Polanco. If I had picked (laughs) Cruz or somebody like that, like Cruz or Kepler or Buxton and and Cave beat me. Oh, man. I feel pretty bad. I I like it. I like the pluckiness of that there. Well done. Um, okay, so there we have it, folks. We've given you our postseason thoughts. We've wrapped up the Detroit Tigers series. The Twins have a three-game series against the Cincinnati Red to close out the regular season. They have an opportunity. The window is open. If Chicago loses one game and the Twins win out, the Twins win the Central Division. Very exciting times. You should be watching this weekend. These games do matter. I actually, I did have my sister call and she goes, do these games even matter right now? Yeah, No, they actually, they very much matter and it's very important that the Twins win them absolutely it's gonna be fun and i'm gonna keep an eye on the other games too i mean even the athletics dodgers game right now i know we'll know the final by well i won't spoil it now but uh the other games matter too 
Folks, we do have a couple of things to mention. So if you want a Men for the Win sticker, you can go ahead and message us through our Facebook page and we can get that to you here. It's just a sticker, put it on your water bottle, on a notebook, whatever, just to spread the word about the podcast. That'd be great. And also the next post that you'll see, if you like and share the post, you can enter for a chance to win a pair of tickets to a home game next season. Target Field will open back up for fans, so you can go ahead and like and share our next post, and that will give you an opportunity to win tickets to next year. Uh, if you like what you hear, you can please tell a friend. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Men for the Win. You can find our Men for the Win page on Facebook. If you can make sure to subscribe to the podcast, you'll be notified when new episodes are available. Thanks for listening, folks, and as always, go Twins! That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, go Twins!